Well, if you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2. And as you're doing that, Happy New Year to everyone. And pray that this day, this second day after New Year's, that we might, as a church, set our eyes where they belong, set our eyes, our vision, cast our gaze upon Jesus. We're opening up the passage today to Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. And it's a, a lot about Jesus' early life. Really, the only thing we know about Jesus' early life. But I pray that in these verses that, that we would catch a glimpse of, of who this Jesus really is for us, for our hearts, for our lives. So we read this beginning in verse 21. And at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what it said about him. And Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that, through, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went into Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard it were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw 
him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray together. Father, we have heard your word. And Lord, your word, your word alone is enough. Your word alone is sufficient to show us what you want to show us, which is to show us Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray, even as we've already sung this morning, that we would, we would find in Jesus today this fount of living water. That we would find in Jesus this bread that satisfies, this bread of life. That we would find in Jesus the unsearchable riches that we could never come to the end of. That we would find in Jesus that he is more than enough. So, Lord, I pray this morning for every longing heart, for everyone waiting, for everyone who's been striving, for everyone who feels weary, for everyone who feels lonely, for those who have been trying to be satisfied by this world. Lord, I pray that they would be able to say today, by the power of your Spirit, hallelujah, I have found him, the one my soul has so long craved. Lord, would you open eyes even in this moment? Would you show us Jesus today that we might see he is all we've ever wanted, he is all we've ever needed. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. What are you waiting for today? What, what is it that you're waiting for? We're all waiting for something. In fact, if you stop and think about it, we spend a lot of our lives waiting. That's what we do. Our, our lives just a bunch of waiting from one line to another line. We wait at a checkout to, to check out at the grocery. We, we wait for our turn in the restroom. We wait for our spouse to, to finally come and get in the car. We've been waiting a long time. We, we wait to, for coffee from the barista. We, we wait to get our food at the restaurant. We wait for gas to stop pumping. We wait for people to show up for work. We wait for our kids to finally go to sleep. Anybody else in that category? We, we wait in the hospital waiting room. We, we wait at a traffic light that it might turn green. We wait for our kids to come sit down so we can put on their last shoe. And we even wait for Christmas now that, that's only 357 days away, kids. We, we wait, we spend our lives waiting. But, but when I ask you today, what are you waiting for? I'm not asking you to think about your, your daily, hectic, chaotic routine that, that you go through every single day. What I'm asking is what is the one thing you're waiting for that you believe will change everything? What's the one thing your heart is longing for that you believe that this thing will bring me true joy? What's the, the one thing that you wish was different right now that you know that if it was different, I could have true 
peace. I could have real rest finally for my weary heart. We're all waiting for something. Something we think is going to change everything. If I was just married now, everything would be different. If, if my husband started acting differently, if my wife treated me better, I would have joy again. If I just had a different boss or a different job or that person wasn't working at my job, then, then I think I would feel better. If I could have a child, if, if my paycheck was a little bit more, then I'd be content. If I could own that or if I could buy this or I could live in that city, then, then surely I would be satisfied. But here's what we learn today, clearly from God's word, that with the coming of Jesus, brothers and sisters, the waiting is over. With the coming of Jesus, the one and only Savior, now the waiting is over for you. The waiting is over. Jesus has come, and with him comes absolutely everything that your heart's been waiting for. The, the redemption, the forgiveness, the rest, the joy, the peace, the contentment. It's not found in anything out there. It's found completely, absolutely in Him. In Jesus, all strivings cease. All longings are fulfilled. All waiting is over. All is complete in Christ. And the question is, do you believe it this morning? Do you believe that he's all you've been waiting for, all you've been longing for? Do you believe it this morning? Because my prayer this morning from this passage is that even from the earliest days, when Jesus was a baby, when Jesus was 12 years old, that, that the Holy Spirit would use this passage like a camera lens. That the Holy Spirit would bring into focus who Jesus is, the, the one your heart has always wanted, the one your heart has always needed. And by bringing him into focus, the Lord might bring your life into focus to see who you are in him and all you have in him. So two points this morning. The first one's this. Jesus is the Savior you've always wanted. Jesus is the Savior you've always wanted. Mary and Joseph, they go up to the temple for a purification ceremony that would happen about 40 days after birth. And the offering they bring, the offering is, this, is two turtle doves or two pigeons. And if you know anything about the law, this is what the poorest of the poor would bring to the temple. So we see Mary and Joseph coming to the temple. And it doesn't look like they have much to offer. But little do we know that, that in this child that they're carrying holds all the hope of the world. And as soon as they enter into the temple, the, the passage says they're greeted by a man named Simeon. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about him other than this, that he is righteous and devout. This means that he not only knows the Lord, he's not only read the law, he doesn't just know passages in the Old Testament, but he is wholly devoted to him. He is wholly devoted to God in every single way. And the Bible says this, that, that he is waiting. This is such a beautiful phrase. He is waiting on the consolation of Israel. It's a beautiful phrase that means he is waiting on the comfort 
of Israel. The comfort that's promised the people of God. I mean, the rabbis in the temple, they would call the Messiah, this one they were waiting for, they called him Menahim, which means the comforter who's coming. He's, he's the, the comforter because they saw that this Messiah, when he showed up on the scene, when he came, this one was going to bring true shalom, shalom, tr- true peace. True rest, not just from the Roman Empire, but true rest for their souls. The the peace that passes all understanding. So when we open up this passage and we see Simeon, when, when we see this man, really this man represents all of Israel. This one man represents, he's like a figurehead, a, a representative of all who are longing in Israel for the coming Messiah. Ever since the beginning of the, of the Bible, ever, ever since the garden, the people of God have been longing and, and waiting. They've been longing for the, the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent, Genesis 3 says. Waiting for the offspring of Abraham through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. The the one greater than Isaac who would be sacrificed by his father for all our sins. They would be waiting and longing for the one greater than Moses who would bring a greater exodus through his precious blood. Waiting for the sacrificial lamb who would be offered on the altar once and for all that our sins might be taken away and our shame be taken away forever. They're waiting for the greater Joshua who would lead God's people into the true rest, the forever rest. Waiting for the greater King David who would slay the giants of sin and death and reign forever. They're they're waiting for the one that Isaiah said that he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Waiting for the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, the one who would be pierced for our transgressions, who would be crushed for our iniquities, the one that the the Father would be pleased to crush him in our place. See, all the longings of Israel are captured in this phrase, waiting for the consolation of Israel. All the waiting of Israel is represented in this man, Simeon, the one who the Holy Spirit has now led up into the temple on this day. The same Holy Spirit who's promised Simeon, we read in the Bible, that he's not going to see death before, because before he dies, he's going to see the Christ. He will lay eyes on the Messiah, the Holy Spirit has said. And it was on this day, Simeon walks into the temple and he sees this young woman named Mary and this man named Joseph carrying a little child coming to the temple to dedicate their son. And on this day, in this son, all the waiting is over. Like all the waiting for Israel forever is over and all the waiting for you is over. I mean, that's, that's really freeing when you think about it, that, that over 2,000 years ago, all your longings were over today. 
Think about that. Over 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came, all your greatest longings have ceased because Christ has come. Simeon takes this baby up in his arms. I'm, I'm picturing in my mind like Simba being taken up by Rafiki right in that moment. And Simeon blesses God. And listen to his words. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Do you hear all he's saying? He's saying, in this baby is the joy of of every longing heart. In this baby Jesus, 40 days old, in this baby Jesus is the peace that passes all understanding. In this baby is the hope of all peoples, not just the hope of the people of Israel. No, the, peop the hope of every tribe, tongue, and nation, the hope of all peoples found in this child Jesus. The same thing is seen by the prophetess Anna in verse 36, a faithful follower to the Lord. She, it says that she's always going up to the temple. She's always fasting. She's always praying day and night. And it all comes into focus when she lays eyes on Jesus. She begins to give thanks for the coming Messiah. And she, and she begins to tell everyone in the temple, I, Everyone who's been waiting for the redemption of Israel. In my mind right now, Simeon's kind of Rafiki and holding up. You know, I'm, in my mind right now, this is Ebenezer Scrooge on Christmas Day. He's not running around saying it's Christmas, but he's running around saying the hope has come. That the Messiah is here. All our hopes, all our longings. The, the redemption you've been waiting for, he is here in the temple, in Jesus. You know, one French author and philosopher said this, in order to be prepared to hope in what does not deceive, we must first lose hope in everything that does deceive. Think about that. In order to be prepared to hope in what does not deceive, we must first lose hope in everything that does deceive. You need to this morning renounce any hope that you have in false saviors other than Jesus. Any substitute saviors that could never, will never save you. The person in your life that you think, this person can be my deliverer. They, they cannot deliver you. The, the person, the, the idol, the sin that you think can be your savior cannot save you, cannot satisfy you. I mean, whatever it is, whatever you're putting your hope in, whatever you're calling on to save you, whatever, whatever, whether it's a, a future spouse or a changed spouse or a new job or a new city or, or the new year or the best vacation you could imagine, the, a pay raise, a smaller number on a scale this year, the popping of a, a pill, the next hit, the, the best works you could ever imagine. Whatever you think can save you, whatever you think can satisfy you other than Jesus, 
Listen, brothers and sisters, it's going to break your heart. It's going to break your heart. And some of you are sitting here right now thinking of what you've ran to and knowing that I'm telling the truth. It never saved, it never satisfied. Because every sin and idol is a substitute Savior that keeps lying to you and you keep believing it. And we open up this passage and we hear Simeon, we, we hear Anna, the prophetess, calling to us, would you come and would you just rest in Jesus? Maybe you've been in church your whole life. But you've never rested completely in Jesus. Would you believe that in Jesus, in Him, all waiting is over? You know, Rebecca and I were, were flying on a plane a while back. We were flying back in October, and I, I had this moment in the plane where, where I had this overwhelming feeling of peace. It's this overwhelming sense of peace, this overwhelming sense of I'm resting completely in Jesus like I was resting in a plane at 30,000 feet. And what I mean by that is like, like I was doing nothing, completely nothing to keep myself in the air at that moment, right? There, like whatever I even thought that I could be doing, I was doing nothing to participate or to add to or to, to do my part in this resting process. Like I couldn't grab the, the armrest a little bit tighter. I, I couldn't just bear down it and be determined that I'll stay in the air. I couldn't tense up my legs to keep me there. The only thing I could do is just trust and just rest. And in the same way, I'm doing nothing to keep myself in Christ. Like it's not my best works, it's not my best determination. Salvation is just resting. That Jesus is enough. That Jesus is the one and only Savior. There's no one, no other way to come to the Father except through Him. And to rest completely in Him. So I ask you this morning, are you suspended in Christ at 30,000 feet? Like, are you completely hoping in Jesus like that, completely resting in Him? Not some of your hope in Jesus and, and a little bit of your hope, though, still in you and your religious performance. Not some of your hope in, in Jesus, but yet just a, a little hope, a little clinging still to this idol or to this sin over here. Not even a ton of your hope in Jesus and a little hope in something else. It's Jesus, period. Jesus wants to be your all the way, everything Savior who's more than enough. Let me just warn you this morning. The, the most restless people that I know in my life are the most religious people that I know in my life. It shouldn't be that way, but I've, I know this from my own experience. The most religious people are the most restless 
people. We can be so busy doing things for Jesus that we can't stop and rest in Jesus. So busy trying to impress Jesus. Be busy for Jesus. And Jesus just simply says today, would you come and find rest in me? I mean, think about Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you a lot of stuff to do. He doesn't say that. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Weary and heavy laden from your sin, weary and heavy laden from the things that you think will satisfy you, the idols that you're bowing down to. Come to me, and I promise I'll give you. Let me ask it this way this morning. Have you had your now moment? Have you had your now moment? Because listen to what Simeon says in verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Now I am ready to go for my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen Jesus. Have you had the moment where you in your heart can say, now I'm ready to depart in peace. You've searched your heart and can truly say, now my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen Jesus, and he is more than enough. Maybe today's the first time that you've ever seen Jesus as your all-the-way-everything Savior. Right now, he would love nothing more if you just turn from your sin, repent of your sin, and just say, Jesus, I know that you're my only hope. He would love to be that for you. Your only hope. Salvation is coming to the place where you see that Jesus is the Savior you've always wanted. The one your heart's been waiting for. But second of all, Jesus is the Son you've always needed. The Son you've always needed. The next story is a story that, that helps us bring even more into focus. Who is this Jesus? It's the only story about Jesus as a little boy in, in the Gospels. He's 12 years old, and he's visiting the temple with his family. See, each family visited the temple for three festivals every year. They would go for the Passover. They would go for the Pentecost. They would go for the Feast of Tabernacles. Some families, though, due, due to distance, due to financial hardship, they would only go once. And if they were only going once, they were going for the Passover. And that's why Jesus and Mary and Joseph are there. The visit would involve many members traveling many miles together to the, to the temple. It wasn't easy like traveling in a minivan to Disney with your family. That's a joke. That is not easy at all if you've ever tried it. But, but if you thought... If you thought that wasn't easy, that 10, 12, 18 hours after bathrooms drive, drive was not easy. This was traveling with extended friends and family and acquaintances, possibly hundreds of people for many days. So it wasn't impossible to think that you could lose a child in the crowd, in the hustle and bustle of the Passover with lots of people all around. Sometimes I think a passage like this is just in there to tell us parents, show yourself a little grace. Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. You're going you're gonna to be okay. Um, and that's exactly what Mary and Joseph do here. They, they go to the temple 
and they leave Jesus behind. And so three days later, I don't know if y'all caught that, three days later, they find Jesus. Yeah, give yourself a lot of grace. Three days later, they rush back to find Jesus, and, and Jesus isn't crying. He's not panicking. He's not running around, but what's he doing? He's sitting with the rabbi. He's sitting and learning, sitting, asking questions. The Bible says he's growing in wisdom. And for the first time in all the Gospels, we hear Jesus speak. And his words bring into focus who Jesus is. Jesus says this, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? That's what Jesus is saying. I'm doing what I came to do. I long to be in my Father's presence. I long to be about my Father's business. That's what I'm here to do, to do the will of the Father. Because here's, here's the deal. If you read all the Gospels, read through Luke, read all the other three Gospels, and time and time again, they show Mary doesn't quite get Jesus during the Gospels. And they show over and over again that the religious leaders, they have no clue that this is the, the Messiah. The religious leaders, like the Pharisees and Sadducees, they don't get Jesus. They don't understand who he is. Even the disciples, even the disciples who spend almost every minute, every second with Jesus, they often don't get Jesus. But listen, Jesus always gets Jesus. Jesus knows exactly who he is and exactly what he came to do. He's 12 years old, old, and he it's not fuzzy at all what he came to do. Jesus, it's clear that he is the one and only Son of God. It's clear to Jesus that he is the faithful Son coming to do the will of his heavenly Father. Jesus is clear even from his words that he has come to be in the Father's presence to accomplish the Father's will. Listen, Jesus says in John 8 something that's even more astonishing than this. Jesus says this, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. That's incredible if you think about it. If, if you understand sin, Jesus just said, I always do what is pleasing to the Father. And bre brothers and sisters, praise the Lord that this is who Jesus is because this is exactly who we need Jesus to be. We needed a perfect son who's always doing what is pleasing to the Father. We need a perfect son who always obeys the Father, who always wants to be in his presence because I don't know if this is going to surprise anybody in here. I hope I'm not going to shock anybody in this moment. But me and you, we don't always do what is pleasing to God. You and I, we, we sin against a holy God. We rebel against his rule. We always do what is pleasing to us. That's the disposition of all our hearts before Jesus. We always do what is pleasing to me, what I want, what I long for, what I desire. That's what I'm going to do. That's the nature of sin. Sin turns in on itself to satisfy my desires, not to do God's will, not to glorify God, not to bring him praise, 
not to give him my life. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to live a perfect life that none of us could ever live. Jesus is the son who always does what is pleasing to God while we always did what was pleasing for ourselves. And then because he's the perfect son, Jesus came to be the perfect sacrifice for your sins on a cross. See, Jesus not only lived the perfect life in your place, he died on the cross in your place. The perfect son took the punishment for rebels like you and me and then rose again three days later to overcome sin and death forever. So if you believe in him, So if you believe in this perfect son, you don't only receive his forgiveness. The Bible says you receive his perfect righteousness. That's the good news of the gospel. An exchange took place where Jesus went to the cross bearing your sin. And when he rose again, and we believe in him, he gives you his righteousness. See, the the wrong way we typically read passages like this is is we read a passage about Jesus as a boy and we say, now you need to be like Jesus. Be be like Jesus in 2022. Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus grew in favor with God. Now you leave from this place and I want you to try your best to grow in wisdom this year and grow in favor with God if you can. So in 2022, 2022, whatever year we're in, 2022, try to read the Bible more and go to church more and pray more and serve more like Jesus. And if you're going to run away from your parents, at least run to church. That's the only acceptable place to run. I mean, that's the message that we, that's the, 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 the cheap and short-sighted gospel that we give one another in the church today. Listen, it's not good news to be like Jesus because you can never be like Jesus and that's precisely why we need Jesus. That's why we're desperate for Jesus. See, the good news of the gospel is that the Father is forever pleased with Jesus. And he will never lose any favor with his Father for all eternity. So you are forever pleasing, forever favored by the Father only if you're hidden in the Son. The good news of the gospel is that the Father is fully impressed with Jesus so you don't have to worry about being impressive anymore. You can just come and trust in him and cling to him and to rest In him, this one who always does what is pleasing to the Father, the one who is always about his Father's business. So this morning, after you first rest in Christ, I want to encourage you, grow in Christ. That language is so important. The the call this year is, is not to be like Jesus, to do more, to try harder, to try to impress God And do it apart from Jesus. No, the call is to be fully loved and adored and accepted and approved of as a son or daughter who is hidden in the sun. And then live like a son or daughter. 
You know, this morning, you know, I think the church's biggest problem today is not that we need to be browbeaten more, not, not that we need to come, people come hard down on us because we're not acting like Christians. The, the biggest problem is not that we're not acting like Christians, it's that we're living like orphans. We're living like people who are not hidden in the perfect Son of God. Living like people that don't have the favor of a heavenly Father because we're hidden in the Son. Living like people that haven't been given the Spirit of God that cries out, Abba, Father. We are fully loved, fully accepted, fully adored, not because of us, but because of Jesus the perfect son. So this year, here's a few encouragements. Read the Bible like a son or daughter. Yes, read the Bible, but read a Bible like the son, a son or daughter. Not, not trying to earn his love, but opening up God's word that, to receive his love, to experience his love. Don't just read the Bible like a son or daughter. Pray like a son or daughter. Not hoping that when I pray, God hears me if I've done enough good things this week or if I've said the right words, but because you simply love to talk to the Father and you know that He loves to listen to His children. Through the Son of God, God loves to listen to you as a son or daughter. And then be about the Father's business like Jesus. Not because you have to serve, you have to, but because it's now your joy to serve in Jesus. Serve like Jesus in Jesus. Let the Spirit work in your heart until your desire is no longer, I always do what is pleasing to me, but I always do what is pleasing to Him. I always want to be with him in his house. I always want to be about his business, bring glory to his name. So brothers and sisters, in closing, I, I pray that the Spirit has brought Jesus into focus, into your heart, who he really is. That in Jesus Christ, all your strivings this morning can cease. All your longings are fulfilled. All your waiting is over. Because in Jesus Christ, He is the Savior you have always wanted. He is the Son you have always needed. So let me ask every one of our hearts this morning the, the same question that I started with, maybe with a slightly different tone. What are you waiting for? In Jesus, you have everything your heart's being longing for, not only to save you from your sins, but to satisfy you forever in Him. What are you waiting for? Let's pray. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to work in our hearts that we might see, Lord. No man's words can speak so that people see, but Lord, you can take your word, and you can pierce the hearts of your people that they might see Jesus like never before. And so even in this moment, Lord, I pray that 
that your Holy Spirit would say, let there be light, that we might see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That, that we would see that Jesus is the only Savior. The only Savior that can save us from our sins, that can satisfy us from all our sins forever. Lord, I, I pray that someone, even in this moment, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would have that now moment, that now I can depart in peace. Now my eyes have seen Jesus. Lord, give someone the gift of salvation they might see Jesus, that they might run and repent from their sin and trust in Jesus. And Lord, I pray for us as your people that we would see Jesus as the son that we've always needed, not trying to live our lives to impress you, to do more, to try harder so that you might love us, so you might accept us, but Lord, that we would rest in the son and live like a son and daughter of King Jesus. Love you as our Heavenly Father, filled with your Spirit, longing to bring you glory. Lord, would you do a work in our hearts for your glory and our joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.